0: Before I pray, I have to tell you the reason I said no April Fool's jokes. The elders in a previous congregation always put my cup of water in the pulpit before the service. And I came up to do just what I just did just now on April Fool's one Wednesday. And I picked up my cup and there were live goldfish swimming in it. It was my associate pastor's wife. Not the goldfish, the one who put the goldfish in. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, um, we thank you for all your good gifts to us, but especially that you have made us your house. As we gather here today, help us to sit for a few moments and to listen and to grow in our faith. In your name we pray, amen. Amen you know you never appreciate some really appreciate something until you don't have it and i think that probably at some point or another in the last almost 12 months we've experienced that about this you see know, about 12 months ago all of a sudden We couldn't gather, and though we've been very thankful to have the online service, and that's going to continue, I can't tell you how much it means each week to see people coming back for the first time. And I know it means a lot to you. I hear you talking about it. I see it in your eyes when you come in. I hear it in people saying I, I, I think I can come in about a week. We've missed this place. Why? So we miss. Have missed worshiping in person. We've missed taking communion in person. We've missed each other. Is that true? It's so obvious that we've learned again how much we love this place, how much we love each other. You know our Lord is the same. Jesus loves God's house. And that's, that's the lesson that gets driven home to the disciples in the story from, Luke, from John 2 where, where Jesus cleanses the temple. After he's done... This is the text that we read. It says, his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. And boy, do you see that in the life of Jesus, right? He's constantly in the temple. 30 days old, one month into his life, his parents take him to the temple to present him. Twelve years old, they're in a panic because they can't find him, and we're told that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions, and he can't figure out why they didn't know to look there. Right? Every time he comes to Jerusalem in his ministry, he's in the temple. In fact, the Bible says that during his last week of his li- before his death, he was teaching daily in the temple. And so it's not surprising, is it, that here we are, Jesus is in Jerusalem for the Passover. It's early in his ministry, John 2, and while he's there, he goes to the temple now, folks, before we go on, we got to make, make reference to the fact that the New Testament has many different things that are called God's temple. One is this physical building where Jesus was that day, right? Another thing that gets called the temple of God is his own physical body. That's, that's right here in our text, Right? It says, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. He was speaking about the temple of his body. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, says, Of you, exactly what I shared with the, the children today. He says, The church, the community of believers is God's temple. Listen to his words here. He says, You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, that's us, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In fact, each believer... Is called the temple of God. Listen to Paul's words to the Corinthians: "Are do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God?" So, what does Jesus find when he comes into any one of these temples? What he encounters is this: each one is God's temple. Each one of those examples belongs to God. I mean, the body of Jesus, because God himself had come to dwell in human flesh and blood. That's obvious. But that building in Jerusalem, you and I, as a church, as individuals, we belong to him. We were purchased by him. We were redeemed by him. We were adopted by him. We were washed by him in each place Jesus encounters what belongs to God second in each place except one and that's you're going to need to remember that except one Jesus finds both saint and sinner in each place, you find good and bad, true religion, false religion, sin and grace. In our text, Jesus enters the temple, right? And he finds blatant sin. But you know what else he finds? It's not there in the text, but we know was happening. He found people praying. He found the priests offering sacrifices. I'm sure he found people teaching God's word. He found God's holy people practicing their faith, and I'm going to say to you, even even the selling of the animals and the exchanging of money was part of that. They had to be able to buy animals to offer the sacrifices. They had to be able to exchange the money to temple money so they could buy the sacrifices. It's not the buying and selling of the animals that's changing. That's not the sin. The sin is where they were doing it. You see that model of the temple? That's from, it's a, a built-to-scale model. You can find it in Jerusalem. See that big courtyard? That was a place set aside for worship and prayer. Prayer. Those people selling animals and exchanging money should have been in the colonnade around the outside. But instead, they were in the place set aside for worship. And because of the noise and because of all the transactions going on and the animals, the focus was taken off of God and on to them, and they became rather than an aid to worship, an interference, an obstacle to worship. And so the Bible tells us in our text in John 13, in the temple, he found those who were selling, notice it's in the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the coins of the money changers. And over turned their tables, and he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. What does Jesus find here? What does Jesus find in your life and mine? Well, folks, he certainly... Finds his saints. He finds among you people who believe, people who are praying, people who are worshiping. He finds among you people who are seeking to practice your faith, witnessing to our community, loving one another, calling one another in the midst of an ice storm, and, and practicing what you believe. He finds saints. He also finds sinners. We said it last week. Hypocrisy exists here in you and me. There are times when we don't treat each other that well. When we talk behind one another's backs, when we stab one another in the back, when we're manipulative and we, we become passive-aggressive and all that in the church. You know, I once did a sermon where I announced that somebody in the church was um, lying and talking about other members and and gossiping and everything. And I told them, I said, at the beginning of the sermon, I said, and I'm going to tell you exactly who it is. I'm going to name him and ask him to leave. I said it was Satan. But afterwards, everybody said, I was getting ready to leave, Pastor. (laughs) I thought you were going to name me. Why? Because we're sinners. Right? Folks, sometimes our focus, not sometimes, every day at some point, our focus goes on to other things, doesn't it? It goes on to how popular we are, the pleasures we desire, our finances and our job and whatever it is that we allow to take God's place in our lives. And so sometimes God has to overturn The tables. I know one congregation, they had just finished building their new facility. And they were proud of it. Wow, we built it. Now they will come. That was the mantra. And in their pride, they became very focused on what they wanted their church to be. Rather than what he wanted his church to be. And the result was about five years of conflict and division. And God used that time to overturn the tables, to call them to repentance, and to bring their focus back to Him. I remember a time in my own family, when I was a kid, when we got focused on other things and stopped going to church. And then God turned things upside down. For a while, it was Christmas, Easter, and whenever my oldest sister came home, that was the only times we went to church. But then God took her home. And he brought our focus back to him. Why would Jesus do that? Because that's the way he is. Zeal for your house will consume me, the Bible says. Jesus loves us, loves you and me too much. So let us go off after any other God. The Bible says He is a jealous God. That zeal is why Jesus went to the cross. Remember, I told you to pay attention, there was one exception. Jesus is the one exception. He's the one temple where you find only good, no evil, where the focus on God never wavers. He's only saint, no sinner. He's without sin. That's the point. That's why Jesus says in our text, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And we know he's speaking about the cross. See, the only way that Jesus could cleanse his temple, could take sinners like you and me and make us saints, is by dying on the cross for our sins, offering the temple of his body in our place. See, the cleansing of the temple was not the overturning of the table. The cleansing of your life and mine is not the turning stuff upside down. That's the law. That's Jesus making us aware of what a mess we make of things. Cleansing of the temple. Well, that happened, folks, on the cross. The cleansing happened when Jesus shed his blood. For us, the cleansing happened when God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The cleansing happened on the day of your baptism. The cleansing happened again this morning when you confess your sins to God. The cleansing happens in a few moments when he comes and invites you to come and receive his body and blood with the bread. And wine. That's how zealous God is for you. That's how much He loves fishers. That's how much He loves each of you. He allowed us to destroy the temple of His body. And then on the third day, He raised it to life again that He might build a new temple His church, His people. How many of you are glad to be back, to be here? I know you are. And I bet I know there are people that are anxious to come. And there are people worshiping with us who love the fact that we have live stream. But let me tell you something, folks. As glad as you and I are, as joyful as we are to hear, that is nothing Nothing compared to the joy that our Lord has in you being here, being online, worshiping with him. Because you know what? His zeal for you, his love for you, consumes him. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.